0: Hello and welcome to Access Chat. We're delighted to be uh, with Chris Grant today. Chris is uh, responsible for uh, the work of AbilityNet. He's the area coordinator for Scotland, looking to make sure that they can teach digital skills and help people with disabilities. Chris, uh, we've communicated on Twitter a number of times, you've participated in Access Chat. Uh, Great to have you with us. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about this side of Ability Network? Because we, we, you know, we're familiar with some of the stuff that they're doing um, as a pan disability charity, and we've had you know, um, other people from Ability Net on. But but this is the real, you know, where the rubber hits the road—the community work, right? So tell us yeah. all about what you're doing.
1: So um, throughout the UK, we've got a big team of just over 350 volunteers, which is awesome, and we're providing support mainly to people with disabilities with, through visual who've, uh, vision, vision issues, stroke survivors, and their families to, uh, to allow them access to the technology. Uh, but it can be the basic of things too, you know, especially around the time of COVID, we've seen a lot of people come to us and say, can you help with WhatsApp? Can you help with social media? And it's, it is a tough one for everyone. So our volunteers try to empower individuals and groups so they can then be a bit more brave and use technology. And in this day and age, really, nobody should be terrified to use technology. And, and there's unfortunately a lot of people that are. So our volunteers try to, to, to just empower them to, to get back to a, a semi-normality with technology. And, and when, you know, the volunteers throughout the UK, you know, in the far parts of Orkney and Scotland, all the way down to Devon and Cornwall. Um, So there's lots of different county coordinators um, who support the team, uh, free services in Warwick. Um, So it's really important that we all have a, a, you know, a big team relationship, everyone works so well together. So we we just want to keep pushing the the free services. And of course part of the free services, we've got all the fact sheets and different technologies to to cover disabilities with lots of great hints and tips and a lot of good um, tutorials too. Through the My Computer My Way and um, through the, the website, also.
0: Excellent. And, and just sort of one point I'm assuming that the, the sort of geographical boundaries were all drawn up by Sassenach because they've counted Scotland as a county?
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I get that one quite a lot. They um, say, yeah. you know, Scotland's not a county. And I say, I understand that completely, but <laughs> it, it was decided at the time. And um, when I came, so I, I joined the Net 18 months ago yeah. and it was decided between Sarah Brain, who's the free services manager myself, let's just make Scotland one, you know, one cord, you know, one county. There was talk about splitting it into five areas. And um, so you would have like East Scotland, East Scotland. And we just, we thought, ah, let's do something different. And um, we started the team just to give you a, just a summary of two in Scotland. And now we're up just over 50, 53 or 54 and um, so you know it is important all the areas throughout the UK because you know we have to have such a pool, a pool of volunteers and um, just to try and you know to support the service at the same time but also it's about you know sharing skills in different counties.
0: Yeah. No, and of course, I was being facetious about the the, the, the Sassenach, but yeah, absolutely, it's, it's, um, you know, totally need to do stuff uh, in a coordinated way and at the same time be local. I know Deborah's got a question.
2: Um, Yes, welcome to the program, Chris. Thank you, Deborah. (laughs) Uh, I only know Sassenach, if I'm saying that correctly, because... I watch um, the, oh gosh, it totally flew out of my head, the wonderful Scottish English show um, that's on Showtime. So I can remember that, or maybe it stars Anyway, but they use that word a lot, so wow. Okay, Uh, hopefully I'm muted right now. (laughs) We're all having tongue-tying problems here. But when you say volunteers... Um, t- I, tell me what you mean by that, volunteers. I know that you know AbilityNet is you know a large nonprofit in you know the, I, I perceive throughout um, the UK. Um, but what do you mean by volunteers? Um, the, you know, do you mind elaborating on that a little bit more? Yeah.
1: So, so volunteers. So, yeah, I'm a volunteer. You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, you're a staff member." No, I'm a volunteer. And um, so the, the county coordinators also volunteers, So it's people who've got, you know, a little experience of technology that wants to help others. So, the, you know, the, hopefully that kind of sum, you know, sums that part up with the volunteer side. But volunteers are people who obviously come freely forward and say, we want to help. How can we help? And with their skills that they've got, we can then turn that into a voluntary role to support others.
2: Okay, so I understand what volunteer, you know, means, but I guess I'm not, I'm a little confused when you say you're a volunteer for AbilityNet, they, uh, I guess I'm a little confused. So you, I thought you worked for AbilityNet, but you volunteer. I think a volunteer is, um, I'm doing work because I appreciate it and I love it, but it's free. And do I have that right assumption? Yep. And so I, um. I always struggle a little bit um, in that I appreciate people with disabilities volunteering for free, but I also, of course, think that the work that you do is very powerful and we should pay for it. So, so the, I, I think I am still a little tiny bit confused about the model. So, because I see you doing a lot of stuff in Scotland. So you're, you're volunteering to help um, people that, and we were talking about it before we went on um, air about, some of the work that you have done which is very powerful but um i i just i i guess i need i just don't understand that much about uh i think it's great they're getting volunteers but do they have paid people in scotland helping do this stuff also no
1: we don't um we don't so within free services we have a, a, a very very small team and um, so th- we've got uh, tim alex and creta who are awesome at what they do and they answer our free 0800 number where a lot of our recommendations and referrals come in. Um, Yeah, we've got the website that does that too. But the guys in Warwick are are the three of them, who are managed then by Sarah Brain, who's the free services manager. Um, So, you know, in Scotland, uh, you know, you're saying about the paid stuff. Actually, in the last couple of days, that question has come up so much from organisations saying, well, what hours do you work? I said, I'll just work any hours I'm needed. And you know, it's around trying to make yourself flexible because on average, in all honesty, just now, um, I can see volunteers like myself doing maybe 20, 30 hours a week just to support people in the community. And it's, it's vital. You know, if somebody comes forward and says, I work full time, but I can give two hours a month, That's better than nothing.
2: Right. I agree with that. But I also know that the work that you do is very valuable. So I'm um, hoping that, you know, when, you know, you're volunteering with them, that it could lead to potentially, you know, being paid too. I only say then that there are so many volunteers doing so many amazing work but all over the world and we need it. But at the same time, um, I'm looking forward to a time when we volunteer. I mean that we value our volunteers a lot more. And if we're volunteering you know, that we, it's gonna to lead to something where we have paid internships and paid apprenticeships and it leads to employment. And I, I don't know the situation um, where you are, Chris, and I know we're gonna talk about it, but <laughs> I do think it's very important that these organizations pay people with disabilities that are supporting people with disabilities and are elderly. So mm-hmm. um, I, I'm i very grateful for the work that you're doing. Yeah, sure. do yeah. did but, you wanna say something, Neil? And I'll yeah,
0: go. I did, and I think it's, um, I think it's going back to Chris's point about the the time at the moment being unusual and the requirement being that much greater um, because of COVID-19 and, and, and people needing to suddenly access digital skills. Um, do you think, Chris, that as we come out of this, because I think this is a topic that we're all interested in now, Um, that this is going to be the catalyst for a significant shift in how we actually um, view people and how we value people that are actually delivering these essential services and and keeping society running? Because I think that that, that there seems to be a much warmer sentiment, but do you think that this is going to be something that that continues? I mean, I hope it does, but uh, but, but what do you think?
1: So, you know, within... So I can just talk from an ability net perspective on that. Say we were quite busy um, leading up to COVID, and now I think p- people are worried if there's going to be a second wave of COVID. So people will automatically start to say, "Right, what technology can I get in place just in case it happens?" Um, so I think people have to be prepared um, for a second, you know, a second wave. So families will try to get everyone on online now just to, you know, just to find that, you know, the, the, the tie because you don't know how long COVID will stay with us for. It could be with us short term, long term. So people will want to get, you know, online shopping, huge one, because people say, well, we, we're not doing our shopping on the website or we don't feel comfortable. So we've got to be ready for that, Neil. And I think yeah. it's so important and, and you're you're absolutely right it's it's frightening on one level when you speak to people saying you know I've never used a piece of kit to saying well actually we need to to use technology to do this and w- family and friends need to get everyone connected so then hopefully AbilityNet and other organizations can then go on to support them yeah Antonio, i
0: think you you wanted to make so, a point so chris so if you if you look
3: back for for uh, the last couple of months, you know, even you know, for for the same period of last year, uh, what what changes have you observed in terms of the requests for help? Uh, uh, what uh, are the things that people uh, are looking uh, to to for help and and for you to to reach them out?
1: Yeah, first one, Antonio is um, isolation. Um, so how? can people use technology to be less isolated? How to use social media, how to use Messenger? So it's, you know, when you look at that side, it's the requests have been, you know, coming in steadily. But one one big other key is we're seeing is third sector organisations and other charities saying to us, actually, we don't know how to use things like Teams. We don't know how to use Zoom. But you know everyone's not everyone but most charities come to us and say we've got two or three members of staff or two or three volunteers can you just give a bit of hand holding with it so i think that's been a big you know a big part to playing it antonio
3: you're mentioning that some organizations referring that oh our, our volunteers or employees are not able to use this tool or that tool do you think that they were using they were already using them before, but they were just there and nobody really cared much about them. They were just put aside. And now they feel that they the need of using them.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Um you know, speaking to somebody just there at the beginning of the week and she said that she'd had a laptop for four years and never touched it once. So and it's that kind of thing, you go, Wow, okay. Um so we I think some people go yeah, we'll use technology. They'll buy it and they'll go, we will use it. But then they'll see something, go, oh, we don't want to use it now. Um, so, But right now, um, you'd be amazed with some of the stories that's coming out. It's brilliant.
2: And so it might also kind of, be that they didn't know how to use it. So that's why they never did it. And I'm sorry, Antonio. You, no, no, you, there's,
3: a, there's a, this is also creating a, a kind of a, uh, personal transformation, and you are using digital resources, but you are reframing how you seem to communicate. So there's there's also this element. I think there's a, a positive element of it, because it will reinforce skills and, and knowledge that then people will be able to use when we go back to normal. Uh, uh, and I think that that's one of the positive sides.
1: Yeah, no, you're obviously you're right.
2: Chris, have you seen during the COVID-19 um, crisis that more um, elderly people are are using the hotline and asking for assistance? I know before we got on air, we were talking about, um, and I've talked about it before, my mom had very severe diabetes. She had what was called um, brittle diabetes, which is very, very scary because you have to constantly be changing the levels of your insulin depending upon where your blood sugar is. And it's, it's um, difficult enough that when she at first moved to Richmond, Virginia, um, they would not accept her in certain senior homes because it's so complicated. Um, and so luckily things balanced out a little bit and we figured that out, but she always really struggled with using the touchscreen technology, which is such a blessing to people that, especially people that are blind. But... Uh, she had such a, her, She had lost so much sensitivity in her fingertips that she really couldn't swipe to get um, the tablet or the phone to respond to her. And we went over, and then I would be like, "All you do is this," and you know she found me very irritating, which <laughs> I could see.
0: No, you're not, just, Deborah. You're not. Definitely not. No, no, no. Uh, all I you do is it.
2: this. All <laughs> right. But it's it's a shame when you're in the middle of the crisis, and I've never used that, that you know, using your example laptop before, probably because I'm afraid of it. I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'm just off until magically one day I'm going to know. But, you know, I, I do stuff like that too. I was looking at a Christmas present that somebody gave me that is actually a really cool Christmas present. It's technology, and I need to put it in my car. It's a little... Um, Amazon um, Alexa for your car. And I just haven't seemed to have the moment to put that in my car. (laughs) It's not that hard, Deborah. But so I feel so sorry for people that are in these situations that are now in the middle of the crisis. And it's like, okay, by the way, if you want to not be lonely, and you want to engage with people, all you do is you go to your computer, you go to Zoom, and they're like, go to my computer, or just go to your tablet. And I think of my mom just Put your finger on and swipe it. So I was just curious: Are you seeing an uptick in calls from elderly um, people that are really struggling to stay, you know, um, in touch with their loved ones during these times?
1: Uh, we are um, so, so particular in COVID. Um, there's been a lot of, you know, we, we go to different calls: COVID response, resilient, and what each and every one is seeing. Is there's elderly people that's struggling in the community with technology. And it's so we need to find, you know, that with the technology side, we need to find that happy medium almost, that we're not pushing too much technology to people who are elderly, who really are frightened to use it, and we do it at baby steps. Um, And just talk people through nice and slowly, and don't overcomplicate it. So for example, if somebody phones us and says, right, okay, we want to go on the internet and do our grocery shopping. So that's step one, in my opinion, getting them online. But step two, you know, you could go and say, actually, you know, you can go into Facebook and social media and whatever else. And I think you've got to be, as as I've said to colleagues and, and other volunteers too, we have to be so careful when an elderly person phones, that say if they say to us, again, around the shopping, we're not going to go into a ramble and say, you can do this, this, this and this, because that puts them off. And it's we need to we, right. we need it
2: discourages to, them. It just yeah. and, and also a lot of times people's self self-esteem is tied to this. So it's like, well, the only reason why everybody else in the world can swipe their phone on is because obviously they're smarter than me when that's not that's not case, the case. You know, there are there were some realities with neuropathy and stuff with my mom's fingers. But I think often we um we do send the wrong message um that Well, everybody's on it. What do you mean? Why? And and it makes things a little bit worse and makes people a little bit more fearful of trying as well. And once again, is this the time to do it in the middle of a crisis? Well, people have to have access. So, you know, but the sensitivity of it, I think, is a very important point.
1: Yeah, 100%. Excellent. So
0: um, what are the, the sort of top tips that you would give for people that are maybe... Helping their elderly relatives to, you know, with with the sort of dipping their toes in the water, if you like, with with video conferencing and and, and stuff like that. Uh, other than to be exceedingly patient.
1: Yeah, there is that. Um, I'm teaching. Well, I've I help my mum at times. Mm. You know, she, she's not elderly. Um, oh, I better not say too much, you know. And uh, I know the the parts that. She struggles with. However, I think the main key points, really, on on that, you know, note you've made, Neil, is you look at three things, in my opinion. So the first one is the the safety element is key; it's vital. And um, yes. it's people go right, okay, antivirus is key, which it is. You've got to make sure that PC is tight. But the second thing is have regular discussions with them saying, you know, how are you, how are you getting on with the technology? How, you, how are we getting on with, you know, with Messenger or something like that? Because there are, there are individuals out there that will almost kind of home down on people and, and, you know, hit their vulnerability. And somebody might go, oh, I know them. And it's actually somebody scamming. You know, you get all these messages. So I think the second one, obviously, is to to have discussions. But the the third one around the video calling is just to make sure that the person understands what to do in case something is wrong um, around it. Say if somebody comes on the call you don't know and, and they're, you know, abusive or anything, get them off the screen immediately where to press because it will cause people distress, And we've seen that, you know, in media in the last couple of weeks. And um, that, you know, these people, some people are coming on to Zoom calls and, and Zoom bombing is is the new jargon I'm hearing. And um, so I think, you know, that's the top three, I would say, Neil.
0: Okay. Yeah, that, I think that's really useful. I think that the other thing that I've noticed is the nervousness around the the whole scamming piece. So, so yes, we've got to instill the capability um, in the people that we're teaching to. Keep themselves safe, but they're also sometimes overly conscious of this. So they don't want all, there's almost this sort of fear breeding paralysis um, that everybody's out there to predate on them, and that uh, you know everything's going to be, get get stolen. So they don't want to buy online. Um, have you seen that? That because I've seen that quite a lot. It's like, oh I don't want to do that online. I'd rather go to the shop where I trust Fred. Um, have you seen a, a, a you know a change in attitude, or, or do you just think people are being forced to do it, and now they're going to maybe that will lead to a change in, in attitude because they're going to have to overcome their fear um, because otherwise they don't get food?
1: It's a bit of both, right? Um, it's a lot of people say, well, we don't want to shop online because we actually enjoy going to the shops. Yeah. So we we wouldn't think about you know because we we go and when we're in the shops oh we'll bump into X Y and Z and have a chat with them where some people are actually scared that, you know obviously friends and family may have been telling them things leading up to get on online you, you hear things in the media and which scares people one thing around that is though the remote support I find which is interesting because when you say the word remote people worry because of the scams that are going around. Um, particularly with the use, you know, of, of things like TeamViewer. And to me, it's, it's quite safe because you've got your username and your password to connect to, to their machine. Yeah. And, and they're worried that because they've read something online, it's all bad. So they won't ask for the help remotely, but they'll f- prefer face-to-face. And, you know, sure. people are... But the attitude is changing, but it's taking time to change. It's not, you know i would say it's taken about 20 about 20 25% still quite low to change the attitude and even if we get to 50% as as you know as across the world um that people are just a bit more comfortable and i think is, is, again it's you've just got to make sure people are comfortable and people stay safe that's the main thing
0: yeah ab- absolutely yeah people's safety is 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 paramount But at at the same time, the the fear of danger sometimes is amplified because we we like to focus on the negative. Uh, Of course, that social interaction of going to the shops, uh, we're all missing face-to-face physical contact with people right now, or, or most of us are. Not everyone. There are people out there that are professing to be enjoying lockdown and isolation, and they're welcome to it, um, but I, I, I guess the, you know, that, that whole thing about being able to bring people together is, is, is so important, and maybe actually giving people the skills now because they're being forced to might actually help because iso- isolation loneliness is really bad for people's health, right? So, yeah. um, you know, what the work that you're doing is is you know potentially not just enabling them to use technology, it's improving their health, their well-being, and probably their finances as well. Because once they get over the the the, the sort of fear of using these services, they'll actually benefit financially because it's cheaper. What other what other bits of advice do you have um, in terms of are there particularly um, easy to use you know are there, are there sort of shops that, that that are easier are there um, some banks that are doing better job than others uh, in terms of making it easier for older people uh, you know can are there you know, and can you share some good examples of, of uh, products and services that, that the people you're helping are, are, are really
1: taking to? Yeah, so I think the, the the first one is actually a device called the Comp device um, from No Isolation. And that to me is a fantastic piece of kit. It's very simple. And what, just to give you a brief oversight, is essentially it's a screen, a screen, uh, a screen uh, you know, 17 inch or something like that. And they can go and um, the person puts a plug on at the wall, just switches it on. That's all the the end user would need to do. But to keep in touch with their family, the the family and friends download an app, the comp app. When the person turns the screen on, they'll be presented with a code. And then when the person's on the the account as a friend or family, they can then directly dial into that person so it doesn't have to go over and over and over again. So It's a one-off, you know, thing. It's not constant. So I think No Isolation are doing an excellent job with the comp device. um, And and they've seen a lot of, I know, by talking to the guys at comp, um, we've got some out in trial in in Scotland and indeed across the UK. um, And I've had a shot of it and I was really impressed. Um, So again, the comp device is a a really good one. But supermarket-wise, I think Tesco's are doing it really well just now. Have to say, be, that all supermarkets are, you know, as I keep saying to people, are key. They, they, you know, these frontline workers. I would class supermarket workers as frontline because essentially they're doing a job for us at the end of the day. But Tesco's um, brought in the, the new 0800 number, which has been generated around. And if you're on the, if you're not on the government's list, you can then call this 0800 number to get added to that list. Um, but there are other supermarkets and they've not kind of taken on board a few things. And, and, you know, talking to people with, for example, with visual impairment issues and, you know, they're worried about going into a supermarket just now, but they couldn't get a slot for shopping. So I think probably the likes of Tesco's and co-op and there's other, there's other supermarkets out there have done it, has got this internet shopping key and it's, you know, it helps now this 800 number, even if you're not in the NHS registered or the government registered vulnerability list, you can still get the, the the support from Tesco's long as you have a vulnerability and there's nobody else to help you and they will give you a guaranteed slot once a week and yet they, they give you quite long timescales between ten and thinks ten and six uh, ten and four and then you know two and ten and it's to me it's fantastic. Um, what they've done. And there's supermarkets that have taken out these um, volunteer cards where somebody can, instead of giving them cash, they can keep regular topping it up. You know, so that volunteer could take the card, the person could phone whatever supermarket is and say, Right, I want to put another 20 pounds on it instead of being worried, right, I'm handing over cash because you can't go and give somebody your bank card to go and get you a bit of shopping. Um, because obviously it's against the law. Um, So, again, I think there there are organisations and um, companies that are doing it really well, but I think everyone's been pushed into the deep end all at once because I don't think we expected this to happen so quick. So now with with COVID and with, with everything else going on, I think perhaps when we come to wave two, and um, when it comes to that it's uh it's people are more geared for it and and companies are more geared up for it
0: excellent i, I think the the point you made about to sort of the these cards is 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 really useful um and i know also uh, an applause to Tesco which i didn't know about for for actually adding people to the list because we know that the government lists not right um, because people were sort of delivering food parcels to the wrong places because they'd got old information and all the rest of it and then people that are truly vulnerable uh, are not getting that that stuff so kudos to them um, I, I think also you know the the fact that you can get shopping once a week is, is great you know I signed up with online services and you know, I've made the mistake several times now, Thinking, "Yay, yeah, I've got a slot that uh, pile stuff in, and then only to find out that it's in 10 days time. I <laughs> <laughs> have to say the covers are looking pretty bare at the moment. I mean, we've got plenty of tin stuff. We'll never starve, but, but you know, um, I kind of miscalculated that one. So, uh, so I think that's interesting. So, um, just before before we go, and, and you know, I, I, I do want to thank our supporters, MyClearText, who are on here captioning now, Elaine, uh, Michael Link, and Barclays. Is there anything else that you would like to to, to sort of tell people about, um, or encourage people to do um, that can help keep people included uh, during these uh,
1: strange times? Yeah, I think it's just asking that question, really. Um, are, are you using technology and do you need any help um, a lot of people will say no um, but just keep chipping away at it because you would be amazed um, you know somebody might be too, too you know that they've been a hindrance so if if the main thing is ask for help never be scared to ask for help there's lots of great charities and organizations out there that will help you um, i think the other thing too just i'd like to to add is about the ability net live um, on a which you can go on the website which is our response part COVID, another webinar type um, based um meeting and it's really really interesting there's always good speakers and there's always good subjects so we had one on digital safety um, which um Sarah Botchel, our, our market manager arranged and um, again there's lots of information on the Ability website because these are free to attend so you know keep learning learn new things and um, There's so much out there that you could learn. You could go onto YouTube and go, oh, I like that device um, and actually start learning it because you never know who in your community might need the help. But I think my key message I would put out there to if anyone needs help is ask for it. Any charity, just ask for the help because I think most charities need to work together, particularly during COVID, actually always, um, that we need to keep building relationships so we can help. Each other's clients.
0: Excellent. Thank you. That's a, a great point to close on because I think that collaboration is absolutely key to inclusion. So thank you very much. It's been a great pleasure to to finally get you on here, Chris.
1: No Thanks, Neil. Thank
2: you, Chris. Thanks,